Good morning. My name is Josh Friesen, and I am one of the volunteer hosts here at Faithbrook. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we are so thankful and excited that you've joined us for worship today. If you're newer here, we would love to invite you to Discovery. Discovery is a great chance to learn more about Faithbrook and why we do the things we do. It's happening right here in the worship center, just a few minutes after the service. We have a chance to meet Pastor Jim and some staff, and it's a great chance to get any questions answered that you may have about our church. At Faithbrook, we love to create the opportunity for people to get connected. And this Tuesday, we have our annual Bikes and Barbecue event. Everyone's invited, and we would love it if you invited a friend, too. There will be food for purchase and a free hot dog meal for the kids. And after chow time, you can either go on a group ride through Elm Creek Park Reserve, or there will be a scooter and bike course for the kids. All proceeds from the event will go to help Safe Haven Foster Shop in Lindstrom, Minnesota. Safe Haven is a great organization that provides essentials to children in foster care. Please register on our website or the Church Center app, and we look forward to seeing everybody there. Well, in just a second, we're going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, Asking for a Friend. Did you ever sing that song when you were a child or ever heard that song before? He's got the whole world in his hands. Doesn't that sound exciting? But is it true that he does have the whole world in his hands? Well, before we get to that answer to that question, I just want to welcome you to Faithbrook today. I hope you have been enjoying this beautiful weekend. Maybe you cannot worship with us in person and you're watching online. We want to welcome you also we're so happy to have these uh, families or these uh, children being dedicated. And it's a good day in Minnesota. It's a good day here at Faithbrook. We've been in this series in May called Asking for a Friend. Because sometimes uh, some of the questions we have might seem a little awkward or maybe embarrassing. So we kind of like, hey, I'm asking for a friend, but I really want to know. And the question that we're wrestling with today it's a question that says, ask, can I trust God? Can I trust God? In other words, says, does he really have the whole world in his hands? You know, when we're children, it's easy to trust God. Uh, the teacher tells us to do that. Our parents hopefully tell us to do that. And, and it seems like God is good. But as we get older, we realize that life can be tough. Life can be concerning. Life can be uncertain and disappointing. And we wonder, can we trust God does he really have the whole world in his hands? I wonder if there are Christians and people around the world like in Ukraine or Uganda or parents sitting down at the children's hospital in the cancer ward asking that question. God, do you have my life in your hand? Do you have my kids in your hand? Can I trust you? I would suggest that for centuries, people have been asking that question. Even Christians who are believe in Christ. God, can I trust you? I think it comes with just the territory of being human. And it's one of the reasons why I think God instructed 40 different authors in the Bible to write in stories to tell humans like you and me that we can trust him. And the more you get into the Bible, the more you realize that there are stories that remind us that we can trust him. 
because the Bible is full of encounters and examples of extraordinary, highly stressful, uncertain, unpredictable situations where God intervenes and sees them through. And so if you think that there is uncertainties in our world today, if you're a little bit fearful about the future or what's happening in your world, one of the best places that I want to suggest to you is to go to God's Bible, his word, to remind yourself that he is there. In fact, the Bible provides reminders when uncertainties come. Now, what's really kind of cool about the Bible, it's not a, a, a book full of, oh, how everything is easy and comfortable. All you have to do is believe and two simple prayers, something comes through and, and your life is a bliss. God doesn't always promise a wrinkle-free, happier ever after life and experience. There are stories and examples of sadness. There are stories and uh, examples of heartbreak, of uncertainty, of, of darkness and patience. But through it all, we see that we can trust God, even in the sufferings. And through the miracles, we can trust God. The stories bring us hope. They remind us that there is hope and certainty, even in the uncertain times. And there are peoples much like us, parents, singles, elderly people that may be struggle and worried about their future or does God care about them or can we count on God? But in this Bible, it shows us that God is capable. He is trustworthy. He is in control. Even when he seems like he's absent or sometimes he feels like he, he's so silent. And there's many examples I could share this morning, but I'm going to go and take an example way back in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. It was when God's people, the Hebrew people, were in trouble. Uh, they were being enslaved by Pharaoh as Pharaoh was building his great empire and his premier pyramids on the backs of the Hebrew pe people. And uh, one of his servants brought to Pharaoh's attention that the Hebrew people were populating so rapidly that they have a chance to take over the Egyptian population. And so Pharaoh and his cruelty said, well, we can stop that. What we're going to do is I'm going to send out my butchers and we're going to just slaughter all the infant um, children of the Hebrew people, just mass genocide to stop their overpopulation. And so you can imagine the panic. You can imagine the worry that crossed all the Hebrew people, especially these parents. There's a story in Exodus 2 that there was a young mother who just had an infant child. What was she going to do? God gave her a, um, a plan and to, uh, to take a dream, take a hope that her little infant boy could be saved. And so she found a basket and she made it waterproof. And she knew that if she placed it in the Nile River, there might be a chance for it to float down. And down the Nile River was Pharaoh's palace. And outside Pharaoh's palace right there was the pools and the bathing area where his daughters and his maidens would be hanging out. And maybe this basket would be discovered. And so by faith, trusting God that he did have the whole world in his hands, she placed that little basket in that river. And slowly, surely, the basket made its way past those, those pool areas, those concaves. And there was one of Pharaoh's daughters who saw that basket and was curious and had one of her maidens go out and, and grab it and opened up that basket. And there was this baby little infant boy. And instantly she fell in love with this baby and raised it as her own. 
And he, she gave him the name Moses. And he would become a child under Pharaoh, and literally a prince of Egypt. And that mother's dream and hope, the belief that she could trust God came true. Because God had a plan, and God always has a plan. Later in his life, Moses would be asked by God to deliver his people. Their suffering, their oppression, their slavery was overwhelming. Someone had to step in and confront Pharaoh to deliver his people, to help them exit out of Egypt. And Moses eventually was willing to do that, even though he didn't know exactly how he was going to do it. But he knew that God had the whole world in his hands, that God had a plan because God always has a plan. And so he confronted Pharaoh and Pharaoh and his hard heartedness and his stubborn would not let his people go and his plague after plague after plague. Finally, Pharaoh broke. He said, get the people out. Take your people. I don't want them. We're suffering. And that was their chance. So Moses, they say, maybe led a million people out of Egypt. And they were heading east as fast as they could. Before you know it, they ran into a dilemma. They ran into the Red Sea. How would they cross the Red Sea? And about that time, they looked behind them. And there was a dust cloud coming over the horizon. And they realized it was the Egyptian army. Pharaoh changed his mind. Now they were in trouble. The people started worrying. The people started contemplating and reflecting. Where was God? Why did this happen? Pretty soon they were grumbling and they were panicking and they were yelling at at Moses. Why did you bring us out out here? Couldn't it have been better if we died in Egypt? Now we're going to die in the desert. We're all going to die. You ever felt that way before? What's going to happen? Can we trust God? Can I trust God? Does God really have the whole world in his hands? And God gave Moses a word. And he stood before the people and raised his staff. And this is what he said to the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never, you will never see again. In other words, stand fast. Do not be afraid. Is it true that there might be some of us that need to hear that? Do not be afraid. Did you know that in the Bible, that, that phrase right there, do not be afraid, is quoted over two, 365 times? It's like we need that every day. Do not be afraid because life can be so worrisome. We're not sure what's going to happen in our world. We're not sure what's going to happen economically. We're not, gonna, we're not sure what's going to happen in our health. But we know God has the whole world in his hand. Stand fast. Trust the Lord and see the deliverance of the Lord. And many of you know the rest of the story. About then, God's wind would start blowing and he would part the Red Sea. And the Bible tells us that about a million of those Hebrew people walked across that Red Sea on dry ground. About time they got across, here comes that Egyptian army. They tried to cross the same path. About that time, God let go of the wind. And that water overwhelmed the Egyptians and just annihilated in, in, in just a couple of moments the whole entire Egyptian army. God had a plan. God always has a plan. God always has the world in his hands because of this man, Moses. Now, Moses was a, sh- a foreshadowing of another birth and a baby that was also their parents who were in a very uh, complexing dilemma. It was the Christ Jesus, born in Bethlehem. He would be the savior of the world, but he was just an infant boy. 
word got out to King Herod that there was this king of the Jews being born in his territory, and he was going to have nothing of it. And so he also sent out a decree that he would send out his murderers and killers and find every little Hebrew infant boy born in the last couple months and slaughter them. Well, can you imagine what Mary and Joseph, when they heard that, and their little baby boy crying in front of them? Can you imagine the worry and the panic in them? And so that night, the Bible tells us that God sent a, a dream to Joseph and said, take your family and get out of there as soon as you can and get out of there. And of all places they would go to, they would go to Egypt. 1,500 years before that was Moses as a baby and his mother praying, God, can I trust you? Will you see my baby through? Do you have a plan? And God would save that baby and save a nation. At the same time, 1,500 years later, the same type was being prayed. God, our baby is in trouble. We need your help. Can I trust you? And he would grow and be the savior of the world. My friends, God has always held the whole world in his hands. And the stories in the Bible tell us that even things, when things seem to be impossible and God doesn't seem to be showing up, God is in the work. He's always working around us. Even if we cannot see him or experience, he does have a plan. And sometimes our emotions and our worries get the best of us. We look at other people maybe succeeding. The bad guys seem to be getting their way. And, and it seems like the momentum is against us and things are spinning out of control but even in the midst of that, God is large and in charge. He's always held the whole world in his hands. We see in another account in Jesus' life, fast forward 33 years later, here's Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's overwhelmed with agony and concern. He knows what is before him. He's been sold out. He's, he's going to go to the cross, a Roman cross, and go through a horrific crucifixion to give his life for mankind, for their sins, to redeem the world. But it would be humanly and physically agonizing. His disciples are kind of over in another area, and they're not sure why Jesus is so upset. He seems to be really crying out, and, and for them it doesn't seem too big of a problem until the soldiers show up. The soldiers start storming into this garden, and their friend uh, betrayed him. Next thing you know, they haul him off. These disciples start asking themselves, what's going on? Is God in charge? Can I trust God? What's going to happen to us? I, I thought our hero was going to save the day, and, and now he's being beaten and interrogated, and they know what is before him, and, and they're also in doubt. Things seem to be spiraling out of control. Seems, things seem to be dark. But Christ wasn't caught off guard. Christ wasn't surprised at his arrest. He knew exactly what would happen. In fact, the hours before him, them, that time, he shared with the disciples this. All of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, and he, and he quotes uh, Zechariah, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He knew that they would scatter. He knew that they would be in doubt. But they probably didn't hear the rest of what he would say to them when he said, but after I and raised from the dead, from, from the what? Raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. They, they didn't hear that part. 
All they knew is that their hero, uh, their confidant, their son of God, that they banked everything on is now going to the cross and he would be crucified and be laid in a tomb and be done with as far as they were concerned. Now, how would you feel? Has life ever collapsed around you before? Has panic ever set in? Have you ever doubted and said, God, do you have our life in control? What's the future going to look like? How how do I navigate these stresses and these uncertainties? And for those disciples, they were upset. Now, my friends, sometimes we, we get preached to or we are taught that, man, if you follow Jesus, then your life is going to be easy. Uh, some people just only pick out the blessings in the Bible and that, man, God always shows up and, man, you're just going to have this everlasting, wonderful life and, and, and be blessed. Now, if we kind of look around, sometimes we, do, we can testify that we have been blessed. How many of us are watching or sitting here today and you're like, you know, I got it pretty good. Uh, we got a decent house. I got some health insurance. I'm halfway healthy, some bank, some money in my bank. And we did some fun things and can do some fun things. And frankly, we've had some bless, blessings in our life. But it's not always that way. It's kind of like the disciples. If you would have went up to them and said, hey, you've been following Jesus for a couple of years. And how's that going? They're like, yeah, man, it's going really well. And, and he seems to be more popular. And we do believe he's a son of God. And, and we're kind of right next to him. And we're feeling pretty good about this. Well, was there any nervous situations and, and some problems following Jesus? Yeah, there was a couple of tight moments, right? When we couldn't, uh, we were trying to figure out how we we're going to feed 5,000 people. And we didn't have any food, right? And yes, we were a little panicked when we were in that boat in the storm. And he's sleeping. And we thought we were going to die. That that was pretty sketchy too. And, you know, there's some people who've been upset about Jesus, but, but overall it's been pretty good. But now when they saw their hero, the son of God being put to death on the cross and hauled off to a grave, that was a whole different story, whole different uh, level of doubts and questions raised in their mind. I thought he would be the savior. I thought he was the real deal and now he's dead. And how could that be? And did we waste our time? And so many times there can be doubts and fears that live in our mind. We ask ourselves, man, were we fools believing in Jesus? But later, when you asked him and said, you know, when, when did Jesus do his greatest work? When, when did you think he did the most powerful things? Was it when he was feeding the 5,000 people from just a couple of fish and loaves of bread? Was it when he was preaching to the masses? When he was healing the blind? Was it when he was standing outside the tomb of Lazarus, raising him from the dead? Was that his greatest work? Later on, the disciples would write and share that wasn't his greatest work. His greatest work was in the darkest hours. His greatest work was work was when we were fleeing and scared to death, when he was laying in that grave, when people were giving up on God and it seemed like chaos was approaching and the evil one was having his way. That's when his greatest work, because he was redeeming us through the cross and through the grave in his suffering from our sins, his atonement, the price, the blood, the lamb was being displayed. See, my friends, I I would encourage you to discover that when we read the word of God, that sometimes in the darkest hours, the the worst hours, that's exactly when God is the most active. 
even though we can't see him, even though we think he was silent, just like the disciples said, for three days we didn't hear from him. We didn't know anything, but God was at work. And now if you ask the disciples later on, what were you thinking during that time? Some of them might have said, man, we were ready to give up. Some of them might have said, man, we, we thought the game was over. Some of them were saying, man, we were thinking that we were fools for following this guy. Some of them were like, hey, I think we'll just go back to fishing. But in those moments, they realized he was doing his most powerful, miraculous work on that cross and in that grave. And what does that say to us today? When we're handling things that we don't understand, when we've been so disappointed or we've gone through grief and loss and, 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 and there's some loneliness and estrangement, could it be that in that brokenness, could it be that in that darkness, that's exactly where God is working, even though we don't feel it, even though the pain can be overwhelming, that that's where his amazing redemption and restoration and love is pouring into our life. It is true. Sometimes God does show up and parts the Red Sea. And it's an incredible miracle. And we praise God and everything goes well and it grows our faith. And then sometimes the miracle doesn't come. The healing doesn't come. And we wonder and contemplate, God, can I trust you? Where were you? But in those heartbreaks, in those loss and grief and strains is where God wants to bless us. And God is able to bring blessings out of brokenness if we allow him, if we lean into his sufficiency and his love in our brokenness, in our darkness, is where God is holding us, is God is walking with us. God is wanting to teach us in the darkness, in the toughest places. That's what God does. That's what his love does if we allow and acknowledge and awaken to that. I think about Moses' mother, as she put her baby infant into that river and in that basket. I can't imagine the emotions and shivering. That, would God, would you take care of this baby? Just like maybe today the parents have no idea how their children will grow up, but they're trusting God. They're dedicating themselves. They're dedicating their children. God, here's our child. Take it. I can't imagine what Joseph and Mary were feeling as they were escaping Bethlehem on the way to Egypt, not knowing anyone in Egypt. How would their needs be taken care of? Could they trust God? Does he care about us? And God would. I imagine when the soldiers showed up in front of those disciples, they were wondering, what's going on? Can we trust God? And as we navigate all the ups and downs, all the disappointments, all the frailties, as we got, get on the other side, we start realizing that maybe God was doing something in our life. Maybe God was using the afflictions, the disappointments, the heartaches, the heartbreaks to grow us and mature us to be more like him and that we can trust him. The Apostle Paul did his best to convey this to Christians in Roman and, and in the Roman culture was uh, anti-Christian and there was suffering and persecution. And, and so in Romans 8, he said these words. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It might not feel good. It doesn't always just work out perfectly, but God has a plan. He always has a plan and he's going to make it work out for the good for him, especially and for you also. But the question remains with us. In the darkness, in the complexities, in the dilemmas, can I trust God? I'm just asking for a friend. Can I trust God? 
especially when we don't see immediate results. And that's why I want to encourage you to, to go to the word of God because our feelings and our circumstances tell us one thing, but the solid rock of Christ and the many, many examples of his promises, of the stories to say, oh yes, God does have a plan. Some are, are, are immediate. There, there is deliverance. And sometimes it takes years and years and years to see that God's sovereign plan works out. I always believe that either God delivers us out of it or God will deliver us through it. Sometimes God does things miraculous and there is an immediate answer in healing. But sometimes God delivers us through us. That his grace will be sufficient. And we find these promises in the truth in the word of God. But when we're going through it, sometimes it's hard to trust God. But through the years, this is where he wants to grow our faith. Uh, the Bible tells us, Paul says, we don't walk by sight, but walk by faith. How many of us live by faith? Hebrews writers tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you want to please God? I know for my life, uh, I want to please God. And sometimes I uh, personally and humanly, I, I want to live by sight. I, I, I want to be in control, right? I want to know what's going to happen next month. I want to provide for my family. I, I, I want to be comfortable in my life. And God says, well, I want you to be faithful in your life. And sometimes he'll allow circumstances to seep into our life that are not comfortable. And when we pray, God doesn't always just deliver us and fix it. Because this is what I want to submit to you today is that God is more interested in growing your faith than fixing all your problems. God is more interested in growing your faith than fixing your problems. So here's what I know. Sometimes as we're young Christians, God will show up and he'll do some, some miracles to help us trust him. And, and we fall in love with him. And God, you bailed us out of me. Um, um, my wife and I, we've been uh, on this, this journey a long time. And we've had some ups and we've had some downs. And we've been having some Hail Mary prayers. And, and, and there's been some times that God's come through and it's just been awesome. And we just, God is everything, right? And there's been times where it seems like God didn't come through. And we've had to suffer and we've had to sit there and wait. And, and God is like, Jim... I'm not here just to be a vending machine and say, I need a prayer. I need an answer right here. Push these buttons and then you'll be delivered. I need you to be close to me. And I'm going to grow your faith. You've been living by sight. You've been living by control and logic. And so here I want you to grow. I'm going to grow your faith in your uncertainties. And one of the, the anchors in my life, and, and I want to um, give this to you if you don't already have this, is one of the the primary scriptures are highlighted in my life, in my Bible. Uh, uh, when it comes to hard Bible, electronic Bible, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, a very wonderful promise that I live by. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Now, either that's a fairy tale or that's the truth of God. Either God is lying or he's the truth. And this is what he says to me. Hopefully, maybe he might say to you, whatever you're going through or whatever you're, you're watching us today, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's your job. Do not lean on your own understanding. And here, there's the rub right there. Because in, in my humanity, I want to know what's going on. I'm spending a lot of energy trying to figure out God's will and what's next. And if you're kind of a control freak, right, you want to understand. And God says, no, don't spend your energy doing that. Trust in me. Here's your job. Just acknowledge me in all your way. 
Can you do that? Can you just be faithful to me, obedient to me, and acknowledge me in all your way? You do that. And he says, this is what's going to happen. I'll make your path straight. He didn't say it's all going to be downhill. There's going to be some uphill climbs, but it's going to make your path straight. And you might be going through some uncertainties. You might be asking yourself, God, do you have the whole world in your hands? Do you have my job in your hands? Do you have my, your, my health in your hands? Do you have my family in your hands? Because there's some things happening with my kids. There's some things happening with my career. There's some things happening in the news and the world events that, that I'm not really certain. And even though life may feel uncertain at times, God is still certain. God's love is certain. His plan is certain. We can trust God. He still has the whole world in his hands. He has your life in his hands. He has your family in your hands. He has the world in his hands. He has your health in his hands. He has your relationships in his hands. He has your retirement in his hands. He has your personal finances in his hands. We can trust God regardless of circumstances and complexities and dilemmas. And we have today an opportunity to embrace and acknowledge God's faithfulness. It is a choice to acknowledge and receive and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Even though it looks bleak, even though I don't understand and it drives me crazy, I'm going to trust you and praise you because I know your nature. I've read your word. And even though it looked dark and even though everybody was bailing out, you were faithful and you ultimately had a plan. I can trust you. So here's what I'd like for you to do um, today and, and um, for the rest of the week or, or years, if you will, is to remind yourself of scriptural promises of stories of God's faithfulness. So this morning, your life might be doing well, right? Man, we got everything figured out. I don't need God. But if I've lived long enough to know that life is not always that certain, and there's going to be some dilemmas in your future that might, you're going to need God. So spend some time in the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible plan in your YouVersion app on your, on your phone, I get that. Download that. Um, start learning some scriptures. Uh, I've written them down. Um, I have them on pieces of paper or note cards. And so when, when fears and worries overwhelm me, I can pull those out or I can just open my Bible and I can go to Proverbs or I can go to First Peter. And, and I know these scriptures, they're my anchors to help me to live free, to let me live confident and whole to trusting God because God has been faithful. God is good and he grows our faith. So in closing, I'd like for us to just give God some time this morning. <clears throat> if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes in a time of reflection, has God not been faithful and good to you? Can you think back in your childhood or adolescent days has God has watched over you and lined up your life? Was there times in your, your youth that there were some major disappointments or even tragedies? Has not God helped you through? Maybe in your college years, maybe in your young adult years, there were some changes, there was some darkness, maybe some tragedies 
Did not God hold your hand? Was he not the good shepherd? Was he not the Abba Father that carried you, that held your tears, that knew your hearts? He's been good. If you're an older person here, has not God helped you through all things? Been with your children, your grandchildren? Can we trust God? Does he love them as much as we do? Does he know what the future is? God is good. God is faithful. He has a plan. He always has a plan. So take some time to worship him. Take some time to praise him. Take some time to be thankful before you just petition God and ask God to remind yourself and remember, oh yeah, God, you you did help me back then. Oh, Oh yeah, God, you did provide. You've been there. Increase our faith. Increase our love for him and our confidence in him. Why don't you do me a favor and let's stand together and I'll close this out in prayer. Father God, you know all things. You've been around this world a lot longer than we have. And you have seen so many Christians through their life. We thank you, God, that the last thing that we might ever have to suffer is death itself. There is a plan a plan for eternal life. And we have that hope and we have that promise. And meanwhile, God, in the midst of our turmoils, in the midst of maybe some uncertainties, God, help us to know that we can trust you, that you have always held the world in your hands and we can go and live in freedom and confidence, lifting our faith and growing in faith. And we're gonna ask all this in your name of Jesus Christ, our savior. Amen and amen. Uh, just a reminder, in five minutes, we're going to start our discovery class. Uh, you're welcome to get your children, bring them in. If you want to know a little bit, about, uh, a little bit more about Faithbrook Church, we'll start in five minutes. God bless. Have a great week.